0: Welcome back, everybody, to the episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode number 76, dedicated to... Two franchises ever founded in 1976: the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading to the episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we have Mr. Cody Gwynn of Radio Greenville joining me to talk about NFL free agency. Now, Cody calls high school basketball games for both boys and girls teams, and also high school football there in Greenville, Tennessee. So I brought him when we start talking about. Initially, his broadcasting career, how he got into broadcasting, um, what he enjoys about broadcasting, and some things that he that he plans to do in the future with broadcasting, and then get right right into seeing if or how COVID nineteen affected his bro- him broadcasting him being a broadcaster, because in the middle, uh, where he is in Tennessee. They're in the middle of their high school basketball tournament, both the boys and the girls. So he's calling games. He's preparing to call games. And he's going to tell his story about how he found out about COVID-19 and how it affected some of the high school students there in that area in Greenville, Tennessee. Then we get right into NFL free agency. I told Cody up front, if you get some news about a uh, uh, free agent uh, free agent deal, a new a player getting a deal with a new team, bring it up, interrupt me, say it. I said the same thing to him. If I see something on my phone, I'm going to come. I'm going to go ahead and say it as well. Um, so in the middle of us talking, in the middle of us recording, uh, there was actually a deal that went through in the middle, Like r- literally as soon as we went right into the NFL free agency talk. So it was perfect time when we start talking about that and then bounced around the NFL talking about different free agents. Also, normally we record guests via a recorded phone call. Well, this time it was a little bit different. The, the, uh, the system I used to record a phone call, the audio was way worse than normal. So I w- w- went back and I went to, that is, I went to the Anchor app. Anchor allows podcasters like myself to record with a guest and they provide that program for you or that ability for you via their app. So we went to the the, uh, the Anchor app to record Cody and I's conversation. The audio is way better than normal, and I really appreciate Anchor with their technology and how they're uh, really improvising and changing the game with allowing podcasters to have an easy way to not just distribute their podcast, but to also record with guests as well, Um, and Cody, Flexibility what ended up happening was, we were recording we were probably halfway through uh, all, everything everything that, was, everything, that was planned, and then all of a sudden, bam, the audio was so bad, I said, hey man, we gotta stop we have to stop this, we have to go ahead and go to Plan B, and Plan B sounded way better than Plan A, so maybe Plan B is going to be the new plan A. I uh, appreciate Cody with his patience. Um, I have been we have been trying to find time for him and I to get together for him to come on the podcast and today is that day. so without further ado, let's go ahead and take a trip to Greenville, Tennessee to listen to my fun conversation with Mr. Cody Gwyn of Radio Greenville. Hey Cody welcome to the podcast. Hey Jay, how's it going? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. I'm glad that our schedules finally worked out for us to meet together. I know we've been trying to get this thing put together for quite some time. And possibly, thanks to this virus that's out there, it kind of helped us um, come together here on the podcast.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been a, a wild couple of months which basketball season actually ended for me right before the virus really hit home and started canceling things but it does clear out my schedule where i'm i'm at home more these last few days than i have been to probably the past seven or eight months oh wow oh wow uh, before we get into
0: i want to talk about a little your broadcasting career your broadcasting history there in tennessee but before i get to that i want to ask you one question is your family the one that is hoarding toilet paper
1: No, not me and my family, so to speak, but I've definitely noticed it everywhere I've went. Been going to the grocery store to get necessities, what I thought were necessities, and was able to find bread and milk and everything else, but no toilet paper and no potatoes. Potatoes, there's a shortage of here in East Tennessee, so toilet paper and potatoes, I guess all some people need.
0: (laughs) Potatoes, that that seems a little odd, man. I wouldn't think that would be going away, and that'd be one thing that's uh, sought after, highly sought after um, during times like this.
1: Yeah, same same here. I was looking for specifics and found pretty much everything I needed, but was a little surprised to see those were the the two. I mean, even found packs of water by the plenty, but potatoes they were gone.
0: You know, speaking of water, I went to I went to a grocery store a couple of days ago, and I went to literally get just a few, no, know it was Sunday night a few days ago. Sunday night, same thing, and I was going there just to get a few items, and I wanted some bread and I wanted some water. I'm very specific with my water, and lo and behold. The, uh, the grocery store is called Kroger. Kroger's water was gone. The Ice Mountain was gone. The only water that they had there was Dasani. Now, the thing about Dasani, I've seen all these memes out there, uh, all these pictures. Nobody likes, nobody likes Dasani water. Um, Dasani water is a joke. All these different jokes about Dasani water. But I thought that since everyone was taking everything because we don't know if or when the government will shut down or if our town will say, hey, You can't go anywhere. We don't know what's going to happen. I thought all water would be gone, but no, apparently the Saudi water is the water that nobody wants to drink.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of people. My wife actually real specific about her water. I'm not the same. If I needed water, I'd get about anything there. But no, uh, I understand that completely.
0: Yeah, it's kind of different because when we were kids – we didn't care. I didn't care. I don't I'm going to speak for you, but I didn't care if it, was, if it came out of the sink. And I actually preferred tap water out of the sink there to, to drink over um, filtered water or water, bottled water. As weird as that sounds, complete 180 to where I am as an adult when I was a kid. That, that sink water, I was kind of like you, man. If it was water, I was just going to drink it.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'm sure if times got tough enough nowadays, everybody would feel the same. But right now, some people still being picky, at least for the time being.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you're there in East Tennessee. Is it Greenville, Tennessee? Yes. OK, so you're there in Greenville, Tennessee. Um, I've seen you on social media and I've even listened to some of your games, calling some of the games you do on football, on um, basketball on the boys and girls side. How did you get did, get? How, yeah, I'll say how did you get into that field?
1: Well, uh, I've been doing radio now and it's still crazy to say out loud, no matter how many times I've said it here of late, but almost 10 years now I've been in radio, but this is only the conclusion of year four in terms of sports broadcasting. I started in radio right out of college and probably about high school age, I knew I wanted to pursue broadcasting. And then I got into just DJing and doing weekend shifts and even a little overnight shifts here and there and was able to move away from college, which is just about an hour down the road, and come back to my hometown, and they covered high school sports. It turns out uh, those high schools were one of the high schools I went to. I live in a, a real small town, but a real big county, actually one of the biggest counties in all of Tennessee, So there's five high schools in total, and we cover football and boys and girls basketball for all five high schools. So I was able to jump in there and and immediately just get going. And uh, I love the sport of basketball. I love football as well, but basketball has always been my go-to. If I'm not calling it, I'm watching it. And for the last few years, I've actually been coaching little league basketball. So that's a, a real fun thing. And you know, just passion for the sport, I think, has helped make me a better broadcaster but uh yep just gotten to radio and I, I enjoyed radio and I still do radio I host a morning show uh where we play classic hits stuff from the 70s 80s and 90s and we pass along uh local news and things like that and then during the evenings we'll do basketball and football and we also have a college here in town and uh, I help out some with that I don't, I'm not the main play by play guy for the university but we have a, a small I guess a division 2 college here and we cover them as well so it's just something i always wanted to do and knew very early on that i wanted my career to revolve in some way a- around sports i didn't really ever want to have the quote-unquote real job so i thought if i was able to pursue any sort of career that had something to do with sports uh, that would be the dream job and broadcasting was just the fit yeah
0: broadcasting man i've uh even before i got into the podcasting field i started my, started my own podcast I, I, I always gravitated towards certain broadcasters more than others. And I like to, I like to listen and study just by listening, not, not study by um, going to school for it or um, taking classes, but study and listen intently to what they're saying, how they're tossing it over, how they're throwing it to the other commentators that are there. I know sometimes you have a two-man booth versus a three-man booth. Um, professional and college ranks, they do a little, do a little mixture of that there. But broadcasting it's very, very interesting um, for you, you just like myself, um, because there's so many different styles. You have uh, your Kevin Harlan versus your Marv Albert. You have your Bob Costas, um, who to me is my favorite guy to call NBA basketball. I know he doesn't do it anymore, um, but I can still hear him, and it partly because I, I watched the '98 Bulls basketball game recently on YouTube, and Bob Costas was called, Bob Costas was calling the game. But broadcasting is just so much fun, and it's fun from my standpoint because I get to watch and I get to see all my favorite guys call games. But I'm sure it's even more enjoyable for you because you're calling those games on a regular basis.
1: Oh yeah, and I've studied all those guys, and like you said, you know, you'll you'll learn a lot in school, and you can learn a lot about. You know, I learned way more about radio than I did sports broadcasting during my time in school. But I feel this career, this job, is one of those things where. You can read about it, you can listen to it, you can watch it, but you're never going to get anywhere unless you just do it. And from my perspective, I always thought, you know, I have a a gift of gab. I've talked for a living, you know, my entire career in terms of being in radio since I was in college when I was told, you know, hey, you're in college now, you got to get a full-time job or at least close to a full-time job. First job was radio. I did little things when I was in high school, but I've been doing radio since the beginning. But in terms of sports broadcasting, people will give you tips. People will give you pointers, but until you just go do it. And then oh, the hardest thing in broadcasting is to listen back to yourself. And there's still, Some games I have from early on where I can sit, I can't get past the first quarter because it's just so bad (laughs) in my opinion. But then I listen to games I've done more recently and I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds a lot better. But yeah, you know, I honestly will say one of the big credits and this is going to sound crazy, but one of the big credits, uh, of course, i watch basketball still to this day. Love it. Uh, Watch football, watch baseball. If snail racing is on, I'll watch it. I, I just love watching anything that's athletic or a competition, but I learned a lot about broadcasting through playing sports video games because I always used to listen to the play by play. And a lot of that is cut up and structured the way the broadcasters and the directors of the game want it to sound. So I would learn a lot about sort of play, you know, style like that. And in terms of being a radio broadcaster, a uh, score and time are, are your biggest things to always let people know. Cause you don't know how many people have listened to your whole broadcast, how many people have turned it on to hear just that, how much time's left and what's the score. And then they go back to doing what they're doing. So you have to cater to both of those. You want your listener who's been there since the beginning to know everything that's going on, just like if they were there, but you've got to keep in mind, there's a casual listener who may just tune it in because they want to know if their team's winning or if their team's losing. So when you play a video game, you know, you're, doing whatever and they got guys like Reggie Miller and Kevin Harlan on there saying blah 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 but anytime you score they'll let you know what the score is. So I actually learned a lot as crazy as that is I know I learned a lot by by doing that and uh I remember back in the day and this was way back in the day and thank goodness all these videos are gone but I actually used to like do commentary over video games just to practice. And this was when I was like 12 and 13 years old. So I guess it's actually before high school where I knew this was sort of the field I wanted to take, just didn't really know how to get there. And uh, luckily being able to do it in my hometown and everything like that, just sort of almost fell into place real perfectly. Oh man.
0: I've heard numerous people. And I was not one that did that, but I've heard numerous people that said, Hey, yeah, when they were younger, um, they had, they had their mom or dad would record them doing play by play or they remember holding um, a brush or their mom's comb or something up to their mouth, a a cup, turning it upside down so the the bottom is facing your mouth, and you're literally using it like you're calling the game itself. Those stories are always fun to listen to because everybody's perspective is different. Everybody's voice is different. Your flow is different than somebody else's flow. It's what makes you unique, and I guarantee those memories from from you as a kid, you, you may tell your kids about that. Like five, ten years from, say, guess what Dad did when he was twelve, thirteen years old? Just go about those stories as they laugh at you as you embarrass yourself.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I did it for so many different games and stuff, and I know I used to record them, so I'm glad all those are gone. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, yeah, it's, I, remember, I have a picture even, and I don't know how old I am. I'm eleven or twelve, but I got a. It was a real cool, and I would do anything if I still had it. But it was a DJ toy. And it had like a, a little pick that you could attach to an antenna of a portable radio or boombox. And it would broadcast you over a random airwave that didn't have anything potted into it. And I used to have so much fun with that toy. So, I mean, I knew radio DJing was something I was interested in. And sports broadcasting was something I knew I wanted to do. And luckily, I'm I'm still able to this day do them both. And it is, you know, your flow is so important to your broadcasts. And again, you mentioned score and time. Those are the important things you want to factor in. But you don't want to be the commentator that sits there and goes 12, 14, 14, 14, 16, 14. Know, you don't want to be that guy. And there's so many guys, especially in terms of uh, high school sports, that you'll hear literally do that. And as important as your scoring time is, it's not your whole broadcast. So uh, football and basketball and even baseball is something I'm wanting to pursue here next. I've done a lot with baseball, but I've actually never done play-by-play they're so different at how you call them basketball, high paced. You call it your, you know, direct play by play, who has the ball, who passes it to who, where are they going? What side of the court are they on? Are they going to score? You know, what are they doing? So you don't have a lot of time for storytelling. If you're doing a proper play by play football, you can break stuff down a little bit more. And then baseball is the thing I'm excited to try because you can, you know, give more details. You can tell more of a story. You can give almost your own spin on things. And uh, As a play-by-play guy, I don't really know how much in terms of a personality you want to be. And in radio, I'm a one-man team. You know, I have um, an engineer who's back in the studio who makes sure that I'm on, but you don't have a color commentator. You don't have a sideline reporter. It's you. So you're giving every detail of everything you see. And in football, actually this past year I actually had a color commentator in football, and it was different. It's a different experience where you're – you kind of lock yourself into more of a role. But, you know, baseball stuff, that I'm excited to try to be able to show off a little bit more storytelling and fill in the gap ability because baseball is one of those things where you have to be – got to keep people entertained because sometimes it's a slow process games. And just just like in basketball, you don't want to just give time and score. You don't want to be the baseball commentator going, strike one, strike two, <laughs> strike three. So <laughs> I'm excited to try that somewhere down the line. You
0: know, that will definitely test out your storytelling, storytelling – Skills because you know that if in baseball there are there are those down times. Are, I mean, after a pitch, there's time some thirty, forty five. I don't know exactly time sixty seconds. Now I don't know exactly the time between one pitch to a next, but there's definite time for you to go to tell a whole story. Now it could be a story about you. Um, hopefully, hopefully it's a story about um the game itself. But you never know. Some some guys when they're in this thing for ten, fifteen years, they start telling personal stories because people have actually. Is people grow to know them from a more personal level, and they're get, they try to be more personable with them, so they'll tell personal stories with that. But I guarantee, when you get out to tell, when you start doing baseball commentary or play by play, it's going to be it is a different animal. Um, I'm one; I can't do baseball. I'm more apt to do baseball on the radio versus television because of the storytelling. Uh, TV they have you have your play by play man, and a lot of times uh, baseball in the East they have they have a three man booth. It's so hard to have a three-man booth in baseball. Yeah, to me, yes, there's more time. But in baseball, with the more time, that one person, the one color commentator wants to, tell, wants to tell something and elaborate a little bit more, and then you have somebody else that wants to elaborate a whole lot more than that. And so sometimes a three-man booth doesn't really work as well with baseball. But, it, it, but if, um, if you're doing on, – that's on television. If you're on the radio, though, you have so much time to tell all the stories And I'm sure maybe possibly if you're doing this in that area for 10, 15, 20 years and people get to know you and they know your voice, they know your cadence, there may be some personal stories, some embarrassing stories that may come up every now and then.
1: Oh, yeah, you know, being doing high school sports, you know, we're always taught. you know to have your own style and everything, but you almost want to have a mom pro broadcast, which means you know you say the kids' names a lot, you always try to bring up the players who maybe don't play as much. So, in terms of baseball, you could have a chance where there's like a media day and you would get to know the players, get to know the coaches. You can talk in more detail about players. And uh, living in a small town, many of these players' parents played and some of their grandparents played and aunts and uncles played. So you always have that. And even with basketball and football, we have so many chances to follow that story, and baseball would be the same way. So there's just a lot of opportunities there for broadcast your broadcasts to sound better. And of course, when you start talking about parents and grandparents, they're more apt to listen. And we live in a different time now where you don't see as many people do this as you did uh maybe five, ten, fifteen years ago. But there's still a big group of people that, you know, will bring little portable radios to ball games and want to listen to your broadcast while watching the game. And I think baseball would be one where you would see more of that than any other sport. So that's one of the reasons uh, I'm anxious to to give that a try. The radio station I work at now actually doesn't cover baseball themselves, but there's a lot of people in our town that'd be excited to have that broadcast. And nowadays, you know, you can broadcast anything over the internet or over YouTube or just create its own link really. So that was something that I'm anxious to try. But unfortunately with the coronavirus pandemic spring sports in my state have been at least for now postponed. So that may be something that holds off until next year
0: definitely definitely speaking of the coronavirus pandemic just last week i think i think it was i think i saw somewhere i think it was march 11th or march 12th you were calling a game and then the game ended up i think the game was was completed but then the tournament itself the state tournament there in tennessee um was postponed um tell us a little bit about that situation how you're literally in the action and you're there um doing what you love to do and all of a sudden your job is being um, put on hold due to the virus, and how was this, if it has, affected you and your family?
1: Well, luckily, I can say that also being a radio DJ, the coronavirus pandemic and the things affecting people's jobs doesn't really affect me directly in terms of radio really would be one of the last things that would halt. You know, we're my, my day job, so to speak, is still to pass along information, and I, I don't know if this is how it is where you're living, but around East Tennessee, a lot of restaurants have begun to close their dining areas uh many business places of the business especially small businesses have closed temporarily and there's just a lot of things going on throughout the community and try to quarantine things uh as the governor's request schools are also closed around here so uh, with that being a radio dj first and foremost i'm able to still come into work every morning and pass along that information so in terms of career-wise it's not affecting me too much but last week uh, Wednesday night is when the coronavirus really affected the sports world. Uh, Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz tested positive for it, and they shut down that Oklahoma City-Utah game real fast. And then I, I think it was one of the referees had it in that Sacramento game, and they canceled it real quick. That was all Wednesday night. As of Thursday morning from Greenville, I had to travel to Murfreesboro, which is about four hours away. So I left at about 7 a.m. And during that entire drive, I had ESPN radio on. I had my phone volume turned up because I was thinking there's a good chance they may not play today. They may postpone it through the weekend. They may postpone it indefinitely. They may cancel it. I didn't know. And my selfish fear was I'm going to be three and a half hours into this trip and be told to turn around and come home. So I made sure to follow all that. As of 7 a.m. that Thursday morning, uh, ACC tournament, SEC tournament, they were all still good to go. They were still going to play. It wasn't until probably about the time I got into Murfreesboro, got into Middle Tennessee, they started making the announcement that the SEC tournament was canceled, and that was in Nashville, only about an hour away from where I was calling the high school state tournament. So I get there and that place is is pretty packed. I actually was surprised. I thought it may uh, be a little dead considering everything going on and some people, you know, stay quarantined and the high school tournament in Tennessee is broadcasted through a, a pay-per-view. Uh, the stream isn't good, but there's audio coverage as well of every game. So, I thought it may not have as as big of a fan base as, as past years. I was wrong. Uh, There's a huge student section right when I walked in. A lot of fans there and again this is high school so families are going to go. They're not going to worry about really anything except seeing their son or daughter play in the high school state tournament which you know high school basketball is a huge thing in Tennessee. Uh but luckily right about halfway through the quarterfinals was right before my game started and they came over to the intercom and announced that starting the next day that Friday fans were no longer going to be allowed inside the building and the state tournament's held on the campus of Middle Tennessee State University it's a big old place they call it the Glass House it's a huge venue and they announced that fans wouldn't be able to be there. And I thought that was crazy. The whole coronavirus pandemic and the way they've canceled sporting events. I don't have a big problem with, but I thought not having fans in certain places was a wild idea because these venues are so big. And for someone who's played basketball in a lot of places, the whole dynamic of how you play is different. If you play in a place that can hold 50 to hundred thousand people and there's nobody there. And I just don't think those are things certain people think about. So I thought an empty Murphy Center at MTSU was going to be so hard for these high schoolers to play. Uh, but nonetheless, my game happened. The local team I was following lost. So the tournament from my end was over. And then I left and about halfway home, the final game of the day on Thursday ended. And I got a notification on my phone saying that the rest of the tournament would be postponed. We do have a boys team here locally that advanced to play in the boys state tournament, which is actually scheduled to begin today. Uh, and actually, the governing body in the state of Tennessee is the TWSAA, and they announced just yesterday that the tournament is still postponed. It's not canceled, and they would be up to trying to schedule it in mid-May if you know the CDC and the gatherings of is it I guess it's 50 or more now. If that's changed, they would try to play it in mid-May, bearing they can get a venue and all the different aspects that will go into that. But they still want to try to play it. But from a professional standpoint, it's not affected my job too much. Uh, We aren't going to cover the boys tournament, of course, this week. So that part, you know, definitely is affected, but able to still do the radio DJ stuff. You know, the biggest part of me is I've, you know, I put myself in those shoes. If I'm a senior in high school and uh, the basketball team I played for my senior year, wasn't very good. So I I don't know much about this, but uh, seniors, you know, college seniors, when the NCAA tournament got canceled, there's probably going to be able to get a fifth year spring sports are going to be able to get that fifth year. But, you know, you can't as a high schooler, you can't come back after you graduate and say, well, I didn't play in the state tournament last year. I'm going to play this year. So I feel for them to work hard sometimes, you know, for four years just to improve, improve, improve. And you get here and you earn that trip and then you don't get to go at all. I, I feel for them. Uh, that's definitely it's a crazy thing. High school. I just don't think there's any way around it. I think that's the really maybe even the sole reason they here in Tennessee have postponed the tournament and not canceled the tournament is just to keep that hope alive. But honestly, just me personally, I I think maybe in four to five, maybe six weeks, they will end up canceling it. It's just going to be too hard to have all these kids and these teams turn around and play a basketball game in the middle of May when they're not they're not allowed to practice anything right now. And that includes spring sports. So I just don't know how that'll work out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really tough, man. I was thinking about that as well. Um, if you postpone here in Indiana, they, I believe they postponed our tournament as well, the basketball tournament. The girls' state finals were already done. That ended the last Saturday in February. And then um, the high school boys' tournament, the Mar- March 2nd through the 7th, um, that was the week of the sectionals. Everyone in Indiana makes a state tournament. in ba- Actually, not just basketball, but in every single sport. And then the following week, just last week when you were calling, um, I think you said it was a girls' game. Um, was regionals the regionals regionals were supposed to be March the 14th but I believe they got they've gotten postponed and we think about postponing anything you can, okay like you and I if we postpone something we can work around our schedule we can try to get the same people to be at the same event it's a whole lot, it's it's easier when it's a small group of people versus a lot of moving pieces a lot of these kids their senior their prom's going to be canceled not postponed will simply be canceled um for a lot of these a lot of these kids their graduation will be different because they may restrict how many people can actually attend the graduation if things are actually, if the the recommendations and bans are lifted at that time. But there's so many pieces that go along with a postponement versus a cancellation. I remember a lot of people were upset with the NCAA canceling the tournament versus postponement. And then one thing I thought about just yesterday, you had schools like Kansas and Duke, two of the most prestigious Um, Schools in college basketball that are pulling out and that are suspending their sports, not just the winter sports basketball, but sports in general on their campus until further notice. So if you have campus who currently is the AP number one um, in college basketball, the poll just came out today on Wednesday, and then you have Duke, a team that. Yeah, they're not probably one of the better teams in college basketball this year. They're still good. They're, they can still make some noise in the tournament, and they'll probably beat out a few teams, make the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, because they have Coach K and they have great talent. But when you have two of those schools pull out and they cancel their sports um, indefinitely, and then all these arenas and c- certain cities, oh, uh, no crowds larger than 1,000, and then it goes down to no. Then originally in my state, in my area, it was no large, no crowds larger than 250 which that hampers a lot of things, not, not just sports events, but um, weddings. My boss had to postpone his wedding because of the recommendations and the bands here in the area. Um, churches, a lot of churches can't, can't meet right now due to the uh, recommendations and the bands um, in the areas that they live. So it's not just like cancellations oh we can rearrange things. The NCAA tournament, there's a lot of large venues that go into that. There are a lot of uh, contracts, a lot of people. Um, and so trying to get all of those pieces, 68 schools, you have to think about CBS and Turner with the broadcast teams. You have to think about all the freelance people that, well, if, they, if they're they not working now, will they get up get a different gig? And will they be able to actually be there in the tournament? So many pieces that are actually moving pieces there. I understand the cancellations versus the postponements, but with the high school students, man, it's tough. I'm just I feel bad for them because literally they don't know What's going to happen if they'll go back to school? They don't know about prom, Um, spring athletes and spring sports around the country, high school athletes they don't know if they'll be able to actually play baseball or play the track or run track and field or throw in the track and field or whatever it is. They have no idea what's actually going to happen. And so I feel bad for them because the uncertainty, especially when you know your high school years, they're very, very precious to you. And they're years that you look, we look back now and say, I have this memory from high school or this memory from high school. And a lot of it centers around sports. I feel really, really bad for, him, for them, um, the young ladies and the young men for, really not knowing how their spring, uh, how their senior year is going to finish.
1: Yeah, you know, of course, feel bad for no March Madness and for the college athletes as well. But that's sort of the point I'm getting with high school sports. You know, there's no such thing as a fifth year high school senior. So if you're a senior, it's over and done with for you. And that's why I think here locally they're postponing things. Even I mean, I really think they know that it would just be. So many moving pieces to reschedule, it, especially for mid-May, because mid-May is graduation for most everybody around high schools and especially for MTSU, so they would have to possibly move that. There was a big music festival going on. That just got moved today. And in terms of the NCAA, I I think you hit it right on the head. I really think they would probably postpone the NCAA tournament until – the Blue Bloods, teams like Duke, teams like Kentu- or teams like Kansas, and then teams like Kentucky and possibly a team like Dayton saying, we don't know if we're going to even participate regardless of what your decision is in the safety of our own students and our own administration. And I think once that started happening, schools started taking accountability themselves and saying, regardless of what the NCAA is doing, here's what we're going to do. Once that happened, I think the NCAA said, let's pull the plug. I was shocked when they pulled the plug on Spring Sports too, because that's just such a you know, that's another month in. Sometimes they play spring sports up until past graduation in June and July. So that was surprising. But them canceling March Madness in the Division One and Division Two, NCAA uh, men's and women's tournaments did not surprise me when I heard about teams like Duke pulling out again. You know, Duke and Kansas, those are the money teams in terms of your broadcasts. So that's why then you have People like Turner Sports coming out saying, well, we, we understand the decision because what are you going to do? Are you going to have an NCAA tournament without the top team in it? You just can't do it. Then you have to put asterisks next to everything if you do have it. They talked about having just a sweet 16. Still yet again, you know there's an upset every year. There's multiple upsets every year, so you can't do that. So there are so many moving parts that while, of course, the fan in me is heartbroken not to have March Madness, I understand it completely. The only thing that sort of baffled me was their decision on spring sports as that came just very quickly. And I think there was a lot of people who were upset with that And a decision conference-wise. I know the SEC and ACC both recently come out, and I just know those two by heart because they pop up uh, every morning when I'm looking at local sport news. But both of them came out and just recently canceled everything spring-wise and spring football any hope of track and field picking back up or baseball or softball picking back up, all that canceled for the entire season. Uh, but the point, you know, we both made, you can get an extra year of eligibility in college. Even if you're a six-year senior with this circumstance, you can go to the NCAA and there's just no way they can deny you. That just can't happen in high school sports. So that's the part of me that that hurts for them and these kids who have, especially none of the real local schools. I do know there's a school down in Kingsport, which is about an hour or less from me. And they were actually on Sports Center last night. Uh, their school is closing. It's consolidating with another school locally. And they've been a school for over 40 years. They've never made the state tournament. And they were going this year on the boys side of things just to find out that it's been canceled. So I, or postponed rather, but likely canceled. You know, I feel for them. And luckily they get a little consolation prize. We get a shout out from Sports Center and Scott Van Pell. But <laughs> nonetheless, I mean, it's just wild how the high school athletes are going through this. And that's really, to me, you know, it's in the sports world, at least the most upsetting thing about what's happening with the pandemic.
0: Let's move towards what's going on now. Positivity. When the coat, when the virus took over, and the virus hit the sports world, uh, you mentioned Rudy Gobert. Um, I believe he was the first person that got tested positive for it in the NBA. And then you also had Donovan Mitchell as teammate. Uh, you have four players on the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant being one of them. I believe today, um, March 18th, I had to get my dates right, March 18th. Um, all, every member on the Lakers is getting tested for the virus. Um, all this stuff's going on around, around um, sports and the virus. Now people are focusing more on the medical side, which is a, which is good. It's more awareness for us and taking care of ourselves and our loved ones. All of a sudden, NFL free agency hit. And it hit with a bang, and it didn't really – the, the legal tampering stuff, we all know that people talk before the legal tampering stuff happens. I mean, it's, it's just how negotiations go. But just now, I have my computer up. Well, I'm going to get into Tom Brady here in a minute, but this literally just happened um, less than five minutes ago. Chris Harris just signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. It's still weird for me to say Los Angeles versus San Diego. Uh, what do you think about him going from Denver uh, to Los Angeles?
1: Yeah, well, there's been a ton of moves, and a lot of them seem like they've been almost local moves, and that's one of the big ones uh, of the day, and really that one kind of jumps out on the page. But really, to me, the biggest move of the day is so far been Nick Foles getting traded after Jacksonville's oh, yeah. spent all sorts of money on him, and then after the uh, surgence of Minshew Mania, they're just done with him, and they send him to Chicago. But there's been so many moves, and NFL free agency has saved a lot of sports lives <laughs> this week <laughs> with just how dead things have been and you just don't really know what to talk about and I don't know about you but one of my least favorite thing is theoretical sports and that's what's been on TV a lot where they were doing the NCAA tournament walk through and what could happen you just don't know I mean some of the teams you talk about as being favors could have lost in the second round so I'm not a fan of theoretical sports in terms of the things that I follow so uh, NFL free agency was huge but uh, Chris Harris is going to improve any defense he's on and it's a big move and you know teams like the Chargers and even teams like the Raiders as well that move into these new cities now get that little bit of an extra boost. So I think that's going to attract a lot more free agents getting away from San Diego and get away from Oakland, which was once a hotbed, but had really fallen out of the hotbed scene over the last really 10 years. Uh, places like that. I know Jason Witten signed with uh, Las Vegas. So it's, it's still weird to say Las Vegas Raiders and LA Chargers, but I think adding those names creates such a buzz around those teams that you'll see more free agents over the next week, possibly go to places like that, that we're just really not used to.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that Jason Witten moved um, going from Dallas where he's been his entire career, over to Vegas. I think that was more um, Gruden trying to get a guy, a locker room guy. I got a heap of respect that's re- well-respected around the league. And he's saying, hey, well, Jason Witten knows. He's not going to be playing very much longer. This very well could be his last season in the NFL. But Gruden knows for him to keep building and for him to um, keep pushing and try to win the division, which is going to be very, very tough, he needs to have a good locker room guy. And Jason Witten does definitely fit that mode. And also, Another, another guy with the Raiders, you already have Derek Carr. All of a sudden, you're bringing up Marcus Mariota. So another guy there that it's another move. Mariota's getting away from Tennessee. Tennessee's putting that money into Ryan Tannehill's hands and in his bank account. Um, go ahead and get that money, uh, young man. Go go get your money. But I think that that Witten move there is a very – it's one of those um, blue-type guys, locker room guys, well-respected. And who is not afraid to look you in your face and say, hey, man, cut that out or – pick up that or pick up your play on the field. Or, hey, I know you, I know what you do in practice. I know you know what, how to, how to read a defense, get this going. Let's pick this up. We're not going to lose this game. And it's going to be one of those guys that can encourage guys every single week um, when a league that sometimes you need kind of that old school guy, old head OG who can kind of uh, push you in ways that nobody else can.
1: Oh yeah. And I think in terms of what John Gruden likes as a coach is two things. You want a locker room leader and you want a high IQ guy and he gets two of them. And Jason Witten, the crazy thing is, you know, he replaced John Gruden on Monday night football during that one season away. So therefore, you know, he has the intelligence to be able to call the ball game, although, you know, don't know how good he was as an actual broadcaster, but in terms of his football intelligence, it's just off the charts. And with Marcus Mariota, a guy that, Gruden was so impressed with when he used to have talks with him before he was even drafted. And then we hear so much about Mariota because, I mean, you lose your job. You were a top pick and you lose your job as a starting quarterback. A lot of quarterbacks, especially the prima donna mindset as a lot of quarterbacks <laughs> get, but every single Tennessee Titan said that he became even more of a leader once he lost that starting job. And I think that's things that really jump off the page at a team like the Raiders who have Derek Carr, but there were so many signs last season that maybe Carr and Gruden weren't really on the same page. So you wonder if that's going to be a competition between Carr and Mariota or more so of to see if one of the two will motivate each other and have them both pick up their games and give Gruden more to work with.
0: Definitely, definitely. What did you think about Tom Brady? First new news comes out via Instagram that Tom Brady is no longer going to be a New England Patriot. And then going from New England down to Tampa Bay, what did you think about that whole situation there?
1: Uh, wild. I really thought that we were just sort of being led along in the Tom Brady saga. And it would be hard to see him not in Foxborough and playing for the Patriots. But I think at the end of the day, you play somewhere for 20 years, you've won, you know, six Super Bowls, you've done everything there is to do as a player, you sort of start to question what else can I do? And I mean, this is not the first time we've seen this. You've seen plenty of quote unquote goats go to other places, whether it's in football, basketball, or baseball. I know I've seen so many people share the uh, Photoshop picture of Tom Brady in the Tampa Bay Jersey, along with the Michael Jordan, in the Washington Jersey, where it's just where almost you want to test yourself. I think Tom Brady probably did start to butt heads with Belichick because Bill Belichick is still, you know, a coach's coach. This is my team. I'm going to do things my way. And if, no matter who you are, whether you're a first-year player or the 20-year player, this is how we're going to do things. And I think, in Tom Brady's mind, I've won these Super Bowls. This is my 20th season coming up. I have a certain way I want to do things. So, I, I love it. I think Brady goes to a young Tampa Bay team that has a lot of just really good parts. Again, this is a team that's been built up for almost a decade through the draft. So, it's young players. It's young, explosive players with an underrated defense. Would not surprise me at all if this is a place where Tom Brady goes and immediately takes them to twelve to thirteen wins in his first year. Oh yeah, easily. And one
0: thing that I like about this about
1: this grouping, and I
0: do think that the head coach in both situations kind of pulled, pushed or pulled Tom from either going to one place or the other. Bruce Arians is a guy that quarterback guru, offensive minded guy. He knows how to help and to connect with guys like this. Early in Peyton Manning's career, he helped. Pey- he coached Peyton Manning from 90, 98 to the 2000 season. So we had Peyton Manning rookie year, horrible year. And then we, Peyton Manning started to progress and progress and kept going even after Bruce Arians was gone there in Indianapolis. And as ironic as, he, as it is, he also coached another Indianapolis Colt, Andrew Luck. Now, granted, it was for one season. Um, he was offensive coordinator, then interim head coach there when Chuck Pagano went out um, with, with the illness there. But Bruce Arians is a guy. Yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't get into Jameis Winston's head but Jameis Winston has had all these issues, even going back to college. We all joke about the national championship game, the BCS national championship game, when Jameis Winston is squinting because um, he, he can't see he can't see what's going on on the sidelines. And we still see that in the NFL now. Yeah, he threw for 5,000 yards. That's great. But you're also throwing too many interceptions. And I think even though Bruce, Bruce Arians couldn't get through the head of Jameis Winston, this marriage right here between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, could it be two years as Tom wants to play Chile's 45? Could it be one? I don't know. I know that I, I was told the Patriots they wanted to give Tom just one year as Bill is a GM and the head coach, and he knows. And it's very um, – it's just Bill sticking to um, Bill Belichick that is sticking to his – what his philosophy as a head coach. Yeah, give me one year. I know how old you are. I know what you've done. I know what you did last year with last year being your worst statistical – statistical season that you've had in the nfl which is granted your 20th year it's bound to happen but give me one year if we win it big this year if we do what we know we can do this year we there's a possibility of getting a second and also the bill wanted him to say hey your your contract is going to be more incentive-based so this is stuff that i've read um not heard via um radio or tv but there's a lot of incentive-based contracts there up in new england and also one year versus two years buccaneers are like hey man I understand what New England's going on, what they're doing up there, but we want to help you, and I am looking forward to Tom Brady and Mike Evans together, and hopefully O.J. Howard can get it together and, and stay healthy, but if, if that happens, man, they can be making some noise down there in Tampa Bay.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think in Tom Brady's mind as well, I think it's always when it comes to these veteran players that it it makes me look at Drew Brees as well in New Orleans, where you say, you know, look, I know how old I am and I know this is supposed to be the backside of my career, but look what I've done. You know, treat me the way that, you know, you would treat anybody who's been with your organization, whether it's on the field or off the field for for this long, and you know Drew Brees, New Orleans has a chance to to move on from a forty-year-old quarterback who got hurt for a good chunk of last year, and go to a guy like Teddy Bridgewater or even even a guy like Taysom Hill. But instead, they say, "Hey, we want you. We'll give you a two-year deal to come back and be our quarterback, and we'll even let Teddy Bridgewater pursue another team." So I think that's sort of what Tom Brady wanted from New England was show me what I've showed you. You know, give me a two-year deal, give me a three-year deal, you know, do something to make me know that you're all in on me and not one of these things where you're like, well, let's see how you play this year. I think that probably rubs a guy like Tom Brady the wrong way when he's been with you for 20 years, won six Super Bowls with you, and the only time you've not won the AFC East have been years where Tom Brady maybe not fully healthy, so – I think going to Tampa Bay and getting with Bruce Arians is really Tom Brady getting the keys to the car where they're saying, look, we've not been successful. We've been to one Super Bowl way back in the day in the John Gruden era of Tampa Bay. We're saying, show us how to win. And that's what Tom Brady does better than any quarterback, maybe in NFL history. So I I love the pairing, and I think you know with New England, last year New England's team I just didn't think was very good. I never thought the team was good. Of course, when you have Tom Brady, it's almost a a foregone conclusion. You're going to be in the playoff hunt and in the race, but in terms of being a great team, never thought they were a Super Bowl contender because the Patriot team was never just very good, not like we've seen in years past. Some of those younger players, the players that usually sneak up on you, none of them really excelled last season. And now Tom Brady goes to a team that's just loaded with talent that maybe not everybody knows their name. But I think Tampa Bay, especially in terms of you got to think national broadcast, that's the reason we don't know Tampa Bay as good as we know other teams. How many times is Tampa Bay on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football or any primetime games? That will change this season with Tom Brady at the helm.
0: It will definitely change. It's interesting that you mentioned national broadcasts. I'm looking at my notes now. There's a team that's on every, almost every national broadcast, and I've seen people on Twitter complain that the Dallas Cowboys are literally on TV, which seems like every single week. And I try to tell people all the time, and the, uh, Fox has the NFC. And the Cowboys are the biggest draw. I mean, it's just a ratings thing. It's, it just works. If the Cowboys are playing at 4, 4, 15, um, it would no matter who they're playing, Fox is going to try to get them on, on TV simply because they want the ratings. And lo and behold, I forget what day this came out, Monday or Tuesday. I don't think it was today, um, but it just came out. Amari Cooper, I believe it was five years, $100 million. And that team right there with Dak Prescott, say whatever you want about him, he's growing. He's, going to, he's growing pains are part of football, and he's really putting them, he's having them right before our eyes, and he's, he's scrutinized way more than a, a lot of other quarterbacks are just because of the way. And you got, you got uh, Jason Garrett, of course, the new coach in there, Mike McCarthy. But you got Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and there are people talking and saying the Cowboys might get Emmanuel Sanders. Now, that's not set in stone. That's just a guy that they that they may actually go after and try and get. What do you What do you think the Cowboys will be next year?
1: Well, I think they're probably going to be, again, one of those teams that's a front-runner in the NFC. But for the Cowboys, they just have to finish. And there were so many times last year in those first half of the season where they looked every bit the best team in the NFL, you, especially the NFC. But I honestly thought altogether with the explosive offense and then with just a stout defense that they are the best team in football and that they were a favorite to get to the Super Bowl. But it just seems they've had a hard time finishing, and I think a lot of that blame ended up going on the shoulders of Jason Garrett whether that was right or wrong I don't know but now they bring in Mike McCarthy who has finished well and end up taking Green Bay to a Super Bowl title so now a lot of that goes on him but for Dak Prescott again I think he's a very very good quarterback but I think a lot of times he does need to control the game a bit better he's got to explode he's got very good numbers but he's just got to manage the game and I really hope Dak Prescott takes that next step into becoming a leader and as crazy as this is losing Jason Witten now has a big hole in that Dallas Cowboy team for someone to say this is my team now and if that's Dak Prescott he's able to come into that role and excel in that role that takes Dallas I think right up to the top team in the NFC. And you have to wonder that, you know, teams like Dallas teams like now Tampa Bay and definitely a team like new Orleans will be some of the teams to watch in the NFC. And then you can't forget about the NFC West. That's going to be really one of the best divisions in all of football. When you still got Seattle, you still got the LA Rams. All those teams are going to be just battling for position and, If they do add that extra playoff spot this year, I don't know if that's this coming year or the next year, but if there's an extra playoff spot, that just makes things so much tighter in especially a division or especially a conference like the NFC. But it's hard not to think the Cowboys will enter the season as top dogs in the NFC. Maybe now people will start. You know, jumping on the Tampa Bay bandwagon would put them above the Cowboys. But I would still say Dallas has to be the NFC favorite as they get Dak Prescott back on the franchise tag. No, they're still probably going to work on getting something done long term if they can now. They did spend a lot of money on Amari Cooper, and that was actually a bit surprising to me, seeing them go five years, $100 million with Amari Cooper. But I just think with that combo and then Ezekiel Elliott, of course, you have maybe one of the best trios in all of football, but you just have to finish. It can't be one of those things where you're seven and one through eight games and then four and four through the last stretch. You gotta play tough throughout the season. You gotta be one of the top teams throughout because the NFC is gonna be one of the toughest conferences that in football and maybe in the NFL over the past eight, nine, ten years in terms of just how stacked the entire league is upcoming season.
0: You mentioned the NFC West. You mentioned the LA Rams and the Seahawks. You can't forget the 49ers. Now, granted, they got Jimmy G. We all know that he's, we all have seen what he is, but they're still going to be right there in the mix in the hunt. Um, yeah, they lost, they lost, oh, I forgot. The For- they lost the Force Buckner, went to the Colts. Um, but the- but even though they, lo- they lose a big piece there on the D line, there's still going to be a force, uh, a major force out there in the NFC West. That, that division out there always um, with those two, with, uh, always finds a way to be one of the better, uh, more competitive divisions um, in the NFL. One more team player. Well, I got a couple. I could keep going. Um, we're, at, we're already at 46 minutes here. Phillip Rivers. He's, what, 40-some years old now? I don't know exactly how old he is. We saw last year, we saw um, – seemed like he was running for his life with the O-line, not really – not doing their job properly and blocking for him. Seemed like if you – the guards, both guard spots, right guard, left guard, no matter what side it was – um, right up, right up the middle, right up his face. Center uh, guard, center guard. There was an issue right there with Philip Rivers and being able to protect him and keep the the, the pocket secure right up in front of, in front of him. He goes to an Indianapolis team that many people think, and even Colts fans believe, is well before the season started was close to being a Super Bowl contender and going deep into a playoff run. Now. You saw what happened with Kobe Brissett. Um, the Colts receivers had crazy injuries with their receiver, receiver core. You have Marlon Mack, one of the best young running backs in the NFL. You bring in a guy in Rivers. Yeah, he has leadership. Yeah, he can throw the ball around. Yeah, he he has the mind that coaches. He has the mind of a quarterback. Um, the IQ of a quarterback that coaches love. But I don't know if he is the guy, the proper guy for this team that wants to be successful for not just next year, but also propelling themselves the following year after that as well.
1: Yeah, I think Phillip Rivers is one of those players you bring in and maybe just see what happens. And They got him you know, cheap on a one-year deal. And if there's one thing the Colts have is they really built that offensive line when they expected to have Andrew Luck back there. They knew they had to keep Andrew Luck safe and healthy, and then he retires anyways. So you had this offensive line. And Jacoby Brissett, they're really – that's such a tough situation last year. You enter the season with just so much uncertainty, and then you're just thrown into this fire into being the starting quarterback of this Colts team. And what was a very good division, Tennessee played much better, especially once they switched quarterbacks. Jacksonville offense clicked at times, but not throughout, and they still had one of the top defenses until late in the year. And then, of course, the Houston Texans, who are now just an absolute falling-apart team this offseason, but last year had a lot of success with one of the best young quarterbacks in all of the NFL. but now. You know, I don't really know what the Colts plan is. And you mentioned going forward, this can't be a long term solution. Phillip Rivers is 38 years old. He'll be 38 by the start of the year. And you just wonder how much he has left. I mean, this is a guy who's been hit a lot, who's been, you know, the maybe one of the I don't know how to word this, the most almost quarterback of all time, where the numbers look so good. But then you're like, well, what has he done postseason? And I mean, those numbers are non existent. He's never been relevant in terms of past the season. So, is Phillip rivers being brought in to be competition for Jacoby Brissett is Philip rivers being brought in as a veteran and maybe the Colts see if they can get a quarterback somewhere in the middle of the draft, maybe to groom with a veteran like Phillip rivers or, do the Colts see something in Rivers that they love? And they think, hey, this guy's still got a lot of juice left in the tank. Again, just because Eli Manning retires and we're looking at Ben Roethlisberger with his injuries and how he'll rebound, that doesn't mean a guy like Philip Rivers at 38 is done. We mentioned quarterbacks earlier who are older. You mentioned a guy like Tom Brady, who's going to be 43 at the start of the year. A guy like Drew Brees is 41. So by those terms, Phillip Rivers could have two, three, four years left. We just don't know how much that time in – San Diego slash LA has affected his game. But I think there's a lot to build on in Indianapolis. And again, you mentioned it, there's such a good core there as a team. You just got to put it all together, and there's still some questions at receivers, but I still think they have, you know, one of the top defenses in all of the AFC, especially in that division. Now that we've seen the Jacksonville Jaguars sort of start to move pieces around, so they've lost that great defense that they had. Tennessee, you still think has to be the front runner now, as they've put all their chips in on Ryan Tannehill. You wondered if you know, they had a shot at Tom Brady, but they stuck to their guns and they say Tannehill got us this far. We're going to stick with him. But Philip Rivers is one of those really dark horse moves that it's going to be interesting to see what they expect from him because, you know, whether he's the starter or not that doesn't necessarily mean he's the long-term solution in the Colts' eyes. And we've seen a lot of quarterbacks getting taken midway through the draft, and there's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to pop out on the draft radar that you know aren't the top guys, that aren't Tua, that aren't going to be Joe Burrow that are in the middle of that draft class that the Colts could take and maybe groom if they're really set. And you know, not sure how they feel about Jacoby Brissett either. He's another guy to watch maybe in trade talk. Keep an eye on Jacoby Brissett possibly being a target for a team like New England, who knows a lot about him, who still really needs a quarterback coming into this season.
0: Definitely, definitely. I heard one of my buddies that's a Patriots fan say there's a good chance the Patriots – well, this is his guess, not saying that. This is like set in stone. Um, but he's thinking that there's a good chance that um, this let's also go against Bill and Bill being a winner. There's a good chance that the Patriots Patriots will actually start Jarrett Stidham and just ride with the wave. If, if it's good, great. If they lose, great and then try and get a quarterback next year. I don't see that happening. I don't see Bill trying to lose. But this is a good shot. Like you mentioned, Jacoby Brissett back to New England, the team that drafted him. When he was there, he was a third string behind Brady and Garoppolo. You, you take him from where he currently is, go back up there and say, hey, man, win the job. <laughs> this, this is all you have to do. You, all you have to do is win the job. You already have more playing time than this guy. You've already watched more film. You've been around a great quarterback in Andrew Luck, who retired at a very early age. Hey, man, just go out there and win the job. And you already know how Bill Bill Belichick wants to work and wants to be as a head coach on game day. So Bill can be like, hey, man, I want to bring you back. I like you. Um, we're going to not extend your contract, finish out your contract. I believe this is his last year of his current contract with the Colts. And just like, hey, let's bring, come back to New England and just win the job. And that could very well be um, a situation for him. Uh, Cody, I appreciate you coming on. We could have kept going on longer. Um, Like I said, I guess that when we started. I am glad that our schedules finally got together for us to put this thing together. I really appreciate it. Um, Before we get out of here, I got nine quick questions. I want you to give me the first thought that comes into your mind when you hear this thought. Um, Number one, COVID-19. When do you think this will stop affecting sports?
1: Uh, stop affecting sports, we're probably looking at uh, May, June-ish, I-, I would assume. I think in terms of probably Major League Baseball will probably start to get concerned. Every other sport, especially in the NBA, at least they've gotten going. You know, They're past the halfway point of their season. I think Major League Baseball will be the one that really starts to look and go. If it's not one of those things where it's a direct Risk where I mean, it's you know, you're telling us that if we're playing, people are going to get sick and possibly immediately die. I, I think by June, Major League Baseball say we got to start this season, so I would say, uh, June probably at, at the earliest. Your favorite NBA player currently or of all time? Both. Let's see, currently. I don't know. I'd probably say currently still Steph Curry. And I got a little biased towards Steph Curry. I actually had a high school teammate who played at the College of Charleston and played at the exact same time as Curry did. So, man, I loved watching Curry play at Davidson and then just kind of following through the NBA. So I'd still say Curry's up there on my list uh, of all time. I'm a big Michael Jordan junkie. Michael Jordan got me into to basketball. So I still love watching all that. I wish ESPN would look and see all these people sit at their houses and release that documentary early. Cause I'd watch that entire thing in one day. Uh, I throw in a special player here. Uh, JJ Reddick, my favorite college player to watch of all time. Him at Duke was by far the, my, my love for basketball went to a whole new level watching that Duke team play with JJ Reddick. A game you watched you'll never forget. Game I watched I'll never forget. Let's see. Oh, man, this is going to be a tough one. I'd probably have to go Pittsburgh Super Bowl against Seattle. I'm a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so that was one of my first chances to really get to watch Pittsburgh in the big game, and they played so well and run some trick plays, and it was a good chance to see uh, everything come together. So I'd say Pittsburgh, Seattle. uh, I don't remember which Super Bowl it was, but uh, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Super Bowl.
0: Favorite vacation spot?
1: Ooh, I don't take a lot of vacations. Probably a place like Savannah, Georgia. Like going to Tybee Island in Savannah, Georgia.
0: OK, I can get down with that. I've heard that Savannah is a good place to go for a vacation, actually.
1: Oh, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful place, but it's also a good mix of quiet, too. You don't have just the the you know, if we if you ask me my least favorite place, I'd tell you a place like Panama or a place like anywhere in Florida. So I'm not big on the, the big college vacation spot. So, yeah, definitely, definitely a place like Savannah.
0: A place you want to go. You have never been.
1: Las Vegas. Never been to Las Vegas and don't want to go right now. It doesn't seem like a lot of fun right now, but I've always wanted to go, like, uh, watch a UFC fight and just hang out and probably lose every single dollar I have in Las Vegas. Who's
0: a better basketball player, Kobe Bryant or LeBron James?
1: Ooh. Um... I'd probably say LeBron James, and you got to think I'm thinking of this from a standpoint of what they can do, and I just think LeBron James' physical tools make him a better all-around player. I think when LeBron is in full-on, you know, the playoff LeBron mode, defensively, there may not be a better player with the ability to guard every position. So, due to just the size and stature, I think skill-wise, Kobe Bryant is probably better but i mean you're talking about a guy who's built like a nfl fullback able to play point guard and play sitter in the same possession so i'd have to go lebron james
0: job in a, a job in sports you'd love to have
1: Ooh, job in sports oh man that could be that could be so many uh, i'd love to be a division 1 college basketball coach that would probably be my dream job probably over most broadcasting positions i also though uh, would love to be the play-by-play guy in the UFC. That would be my dream broadcasting job. I think that would – I'm a huge MMA fan, even bigger than basketball and football and all that. So to have uh, the old Mike Goldberg or John Ennick job and get to work with Joe Rogan, that would be high on my list. Oh, man, I, I can
0: see you be good at that. Going back to the uh, college basketball Division One, what school would you want to coach?
1: Oh, man, I'd – I'd want to coach a Duke. You'd always get the top players every year and get to cycle through transfers and do all that. I mean, that just seems like one of those things. And again, I mentioned I'm a huge Duke fan and I'm a huge Coach K fan, but I'm watching him now just take these big time prospects year in and year out. And whoever gets that job next, whether they're a former Duke player or not, I mean, they're going to have at least another 10 years of cycling in just top tier talent. So that'd be a pretty, pretty good position. A game you'd love to attend. Uh, oh, by far a Duke Carolina game—that's uh, top of the list. And man, one day I'm gonna do that. I don't know how or when or why, but that will be a, a wild game. And even if I have to do sit in the broadcasting seat up at the very top of Cameron Indoor Stadium, that's oh, that'll be the top of the list. That's the bucket list. That's the entire bucket list. I don't understand that setup at all. You, you, I, I,
0: I understand what, I understand like when you're building it and you're trying to get uh, cram a lot of people into a small space. I understand why you would put that spot up there. But you would think, even if, even if that's how it was back in the 70s, you, or whenever it was open, you bring those guys down to you, – you make space for them at the scores table. It doesn't have to be – doesn't matter if it's on the uh, team side or if it's on the opposite side. It's Cameron Indoor. I believe they have a scores table on both sides, uh, or at least a media table, that is. Find a way to get them down there. because That has to be horrible for the broadcasters being up
1: top. Well, they're in the Raptors, so that's a lot different because that's a terrible place. But I will say, from a broadcasting standpoint, a lot of the places I call, they actually don't have you at a scores table. They have you on a stage, a modified stage. That is by far the best place to call a game. Scores tables are the most underrated thing in broadcasting. They're terrible. You always have to be ready for players to come flying at you for ball. And then at a place like Duke, I don't think you'd want to call the game with a camera crazy literally touching your shoulder. Sometimes they put the the uh, camera on the guys running the clock and keeping the stats, and I just think to myself, as composed as I am, I would probably get upset, especially if I was visiting radio. Like, no, just put me in the very top with the bats and the birds up here, and I'll, I'll do my best.
0: Last one, a game that you watched of Kobe Bryant you'll never forget
1: on uh, the 81 point game against Toronto, going right at Jalen Rose over and over again. And I'll never forget how upset I was when they took him out of that fourth quarter. Like, let my man try to get to a hundred. Like that was one of the craziest things. And it was one of those things that right when that game ended, I turned, you know, on the input and I fired up, I believe at the time it was probably NBA live, or it may have been one of the early two K games, and was playing 12 minute quarters with all the Numbers set up high, trying to get 81 with Kobe, then trying to get to 100 with Kobe. Uh, Still to this day, probably the most unbelievable things I've ever watched in sports is just the way he torched Toronto and put on 81 points. Because remember at the time, we were seeing guys get 50 and losing our minds. So to see Kobe get 50 and then just keep on going, uh still i just that's the in basketball at least in terms of an individual performance uh, not basketball but sports in general in terms of an individual performance that's that's the craziest thing i've ever seen and shockingly and how the game has changed still not seeing anyone even really get close to duplicating
0: no not at all man hey cody i appreciate you coming on i'm like i i've said it numerous times all of you got no on. But people that don't know how many emails you and I have sent back and forth trying to get this thing to synced together, I appreciate you coming on. And definitely down the road, we'll definitely have you on again at some point.
1: Yeah, man. Can't wait. I've had a great time. Thanks for having me on. And that's all she wrote. Once again, I want
0: to thank Cody Grint for coming on and joining me here on the podcast, taking a little bit of time out of his day, a little bit more time than we had expected with the issues with the audio, with the original recording, but we found a better way to get better sound. And in the podcast game, sound quality is everything. I have heard a lot of people talk about and say that there is nothing to talk about right now in sports. And I'm going to tell you that statement is false. I mean, you just heard Cody and I talk about things that happened well in free agency and there has been no game of since no 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 game at all played since the beginning of february with the super bowl so yes i understand there may not be any live games to talk about but there's an nba mvp race we can talk about there's the nba rookie of the year talk we can talk about there is mlb season baseball's coming up baseball's not going to fold i understand they had to postpone spring training and postpone opening day i think last i saw opening day May be in May. Hey, it's not going to fold. It's not going to go away. Baseball's going to be there. Football. Hey, look. <laughs> Let me say this right now. If this COVID nineteen messes with football, woo! Wait, a lot of people are about to riot. Yes. Oh, for those of you in Indianapolis that are listening to this, and you know. If COVID-19 messes up the Indianapolis 500, the greatest spectacle in racing, oh wait, a lot of people will riot. But there are things to talk about. Yes, things are not gonna fold. If the race doesn't happen this year, it's not the end of the world. It'll happen again next year. Baseball's coming back, NBA's coming back, NFL. Uh, the draft is still gonna go on. College football, they're not gonna stop recruiting. Uh, soccer's gonna happen again. The Olympics, will it happen this year? We don't know, but it will happen again. Surely in four years, Summer Olympics, that is. Hey, I get it. There are no live games on right now, but there are still a lot of things to talk about in the world of sports. Sports shows aren't going to stop. This podcast isn't going to stop. And the next time you hear somebody say, "Hey, there's nothing to talk about in sports right now," say, "Hey, man, go on ESPN.com, go to FS1 their their website, go to CBS Sports Network their website. Hey, go wherever you need to. Go to the networks." They're going to find things to talk about. That ticker is not going to stop. There, are, There's going to be things to talk about. Sports aren't going to stop. And I, I understand why people say that, oh, nothing to talk about. But trust me, if you think about it, put your mind to it, create some content. There are definitely things to talk about right now in the world of sports. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Stevens 7 And if you're a listener of the podcast and you follow me on social media on Twitter, feel free to send me a direct message. I would love to know who is a listener of the podcast that follows me on social media so I can connect with you remember to always subscribe rate and review it's a great way for people that are searching for new podcasts to listen to to come across this one then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth the things that we enjoy in life we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about so no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode one be sure that people know about the podcast it's been episode 76 of the jcms podcast i'll see you next time